Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 28. I'm Ainsley Arment, and today we're finally back after a little break. I'm excited to share a beautiful story by Elsie Ayuticello and a heartfelt interview with Jennifer Naraki, plus some fun announcements. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. we held our national conference in Franklin, Tennessee with over 850 mamas from all over the country to celebrate the all-important endeavor of educating our children at home. It was truly heart-filling to be in a room with so many like-minded mamas, each on our own homeschool path, but all of us following our hearts and celebrating the beautiful journey that connects us all. It was an incredible time of friendship, food, music, and fun. If you're a monthly subscriber, we've posted all of the conference talks on the member site, so be sure to check those out. You can listen to all our amazing presenters, Leah Bowden, Sally Clarkson, Jody Mockaby, Jennifer Pepito, and Terry Woods, just to name a few. And if you're not a subscriber, you can easily join and get all of the conference audio plus access to our monthly content bundles, a monthly magazine, and so much more. To sign up, visit bewildandfree.org bundles. Well, friends, the American Thanksgiving is this coming week, and I've spent the past few days thinking a lot about what I want the holidays to look like in the memories of my children. I've thought about my dad making his annual Springerly cookies and the scent of anise drifting through the house. And I've thought a lot about my mother, who passed away five years ago. When I was a little girl, my mother was a home nurse. She visited shut-ins, young people with AIDS and HIV, and elderly people with no one to care for them. Nearly every Thanksgiving, we had a stranger join us at the table. It was awkward for a shy girl like me to talk with people who looked, acted, and even smelled so differently. But watching my mother live her life for others was one of the greatest gifts she left me. I hope no matter how you choose to celebrate this week, It will be a wonderful time to remember the gifts in your life and focus on the things and people that matter most to you. As for my own family, we're going to share a simple meal with friends and family. When the sun goes down, we're going to take a lantern walk with all the children through the neighborhood, followed by hot cocoa and pie. I'm really looking forward to the sweet time of giving thanks for the many blessings in our lives. One of our Wild and Free team members, Elsie Ayuticello, grew up with a Cuban grandmother who filled her home with the rich sense of her Cuban cooking and untamed stories. These experiences in the kitchen with her abuela shaped Elsie in tremendous ways. Let's listen to Elsie as she reminds us that learning goes beyond the books and to cherish the value of unbound stories in our children's lives. The cool afternoon rain is cutting through the thick Miami humidity to beat upon my abuela's kitchen roof. It is 1990, and I am watching the wrinkled warrior hands of my tia Antonia perform a familiar ritual, digging wells and mountains of soft flour, 
folding in egg, salt, sugar, vanilla, mixing and stretching the dough thin before holding it up to the window's storm-soaked frame like stained glass. My abuela Elvira is cutting the guayava paste, its sweet scent swallowed up by dough mere moments before the ecstatic collision of pastry and oil. With hands always working, they share stories back and forth, shaping both words and dough with practiced ease. I listen in wide-eyed wonder as something deep inside me is awakened and taught. The rain on the roof, the voices in the room, the sizzle of oil in the pan mingle together in a soul-shaping canticle into the liturgy of my childhood days. When night falls, we gather around the table to break bread and share more stories. My sister and I beg to hear about Abuela's hilarious schoolyard escapades under the watchful eyes of the stern nuns. After the nourishment of body and soul, bedtime arrives. We have only to ask, and Abuela ignores the dishes and stretches out on the bed beside us, generously pouring out more stories about her childhood in the mountains of Cuba. Her hands stroke my long black hair and her words wash over me. In these moments, we are the same girl, playing together in the same story. She knits my imagination to that long-ago island. The faces of those returned to dust, and the home long since ravaged become dear and familiar and living once more. They anchor me home and lift me toward possibility. Weeks later, I am standing in the schoolyard. A beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl stands opposite me, sneering at my brown skin and dark hair, throwing words like sticks and stones that wound deep despite the old nursery rhyme's promise. I feel a momentary low, but then I remember who I am and who I come from. Abuela, running through the countryside, stealing mangoes to feed her little brother Luis. Abuelita Ana, abandoned by her husband but by no means defenseless, halting a thief on a horse by grasping his reins and digging in her heels, refusing to let him take what little her children had. Tia Antonia, who had the face of a troll doll and a love story for the ages, sacrificing what little she had to keep her sister's family safe. I am a generation newly sprung from the same dirt floors and poverty, but this lineage of lion-hearted heroism and self-sacrifice made my young bones feel like royalty. I walk away from the taunting child's words with my head held high, knowing that I walked in the footsteps of mighty women. Stories bound in beautiful leather are not the only treasures to be had. I was raised on the worthy words of a woman whose formal education halted at the age of nine. Her brand of unschooled poetry shaped me like no other voice in my life. What made her words so powerful? She never learned to torture a story into being the way we are taught in schools today. She simply told stories the way her grandmother told stories. She was born into a world that told stories because it was all they had. Her rich inheritance was language, and stories were the gift she gave. If they fell upon your heart, you knew you were loved, and it changed you. When she spoke the remembered words, the elements of my blood that belonged to her sang kinship, and I was nourished down to the bone. What stories penetrate the walls of your home? What stories are your children encountering in this world made of people behind screens? Friends, crack open the old photo albums and look through the plastic sheet that is not a screen but a window into history. Lead your child there to meet the faces you gazed into when you were a child. Visit grandparents while you have them and record their tales. Soak up the beauty of unpublished words proclaimed with love. Reclaim the oral tradition and start a cultural storytelling trend a revolution of remembrance. Insist that technology stay in the realm of servant and never master. 
Connect your family to real life and real people. Visit your children's rooms at bedtime and speak words over them that bind their hearts to home and bless them with freedom. Sing them to sleep, sing them awake, recite creeds, share poetry, gather round the table and break bread together. Ask your children to tell you a story and listen intently. Let them experience their thoughts and dreams becoming spoken word. Let them have time to think and dream and do the nothing that means so very much to children. Let them amass a childhood of experiences rather than things. Let them climb trees and walk through woods and fashion forts out of sticks and shape mud pies with their hands. Remember that they are building up the magical essence of their own Unbound Stories. Earlier this fall, we announced our next conference taking place in Portland, Oregon on March 23rd and 24th. And unbelievably, we completely sold out in just nine days. Over 900 mamas will be joining us at the Portland Art Museum for two days of encouragement, merriment, and a few surprises yet to be announced. As exciting as this is, we can't help but feel crushed for all the mamas who wanted to be there and didn't get a ticket. This journey of educating our children at home, of giving them a childhood and the opportunity to learn and grow at their own pace is not for the faint of heart. It's simple and natural, yet so contrary to the modern culture that pushes us to think we need more education, more activities, more gadgets, more stuff. When communities are spread out across the miles, cities, states, and even countries, we need each other all the more, and we need to come together to be reminded that we are not alone. It's one thing to believe something deeply in our hearts, but quite another to keep going when we feel unsure, misunderstood, weary. This is one of the many reasons we are so passionate about creating the Wild and Free Farm Village. We need a place to call our own. While we will still host conferences elsewhere, we will be able to have retreats and events for women throughout the year without the prohibitive costs and availability of venues. Not to mention a place in nature where thousands of families can call home. We are more than halfway to our goal of raising $400,000 by December 31st in order to purchase the land for the Wild and Free Farm Village. That's right, we've raised two hundred and eight thousand dollars so far. Isn't that incredible? We would be so humbled to have you with us in supporting this vision. If you'd like to learn more about the Wild and Free Farm Village and how to make a tax-deductible donation by the end of the year, please visit us at bewildandfree.org give. Many of you know the story of Jennifer Naraki, who is a big part of the Wild and Free community. This past summer, she was diagnosed with cancer and has been in the fight for her life these past six months. This week, Jennifer Pepito sat down with her to talk about homeschooling through difficult times and what to do when you don't know what to do. Let's listen in. You know, when I first heard about you dealing with cancer, it was so devastating, I think, for so many of us in the community, because you've been at the last few conferences. And so just thinking about you going through that, and then thinking about missing the time with you on so many levels was heartbreaking. So it was just it added such a level of sweetness to the conference to have you there. Thank you so much. So I thought it'd be kind of encouraging for our community to talk today about how you're managing this season, because I'm sure there's so many emotions that you've gone through 
because you're dealing with a really serious sickness. As moms, we sometimes sweat so hard over things like, am I doing enough homeschool today? And my kids are driving me crazy. And I'm sure that all of these things that plague us as mothers have been visited in a really different way during this season. Yeah, honestly, when you know I was diagnosed on Father's Day weekend, so we had a little bit of time during the summer as I was going through treatment to kind of think about, talk about, pray about what school would look like this year for the boys. And, you know, we pondered sending them off to school. And really, when it just came down to it, it just made sense to continue homeschooling. And I will say without a doubt, it was scary um, at first to think about that and to, yeah, exactly what you said. Are are we going to be doing enough? Are they going to get behind? Is it going to be okay? Am I going to have enough energy to do this? What's it going to look like? You know, I'm not the first mama to have a disease in homeschool. I was extremely encouraged by Heidi. Um, She's at Kinder Farm Homeschool on Instagram. And she also shared her cancer journey online and continued homeschooling her kids. You know, I didn't have cancer when I saw her going through that. But I remember watching her journey and thinking, how in the world does she do that? I don't think I would be strong enough to be able to do that. And it's so weird how, you know, we have these thoughts, the what ifs, and sometimes the what ifs don't come to be, but sometimes the what ifs do come to be. And, you know, sometimes you don't know what it's going to look like, but it always just works out beautifully. So, you know, we read books. I mean, one of our favorite parts of homeschooling is reading all these amazing historical books like The Hiding Place or The Endurance about Shackleton or even The Little House on the Prairie books. And there's so much trial and tragedy that these people go through and somehow survive. And we think I could never do that. And yet you are surviving something really, really difficult this season. Well, you know, my husband and I said, okay, this year is going to probably look very different from our other years of homeschooling. And we need to be okay with that. And we need to be okay if it even just looks like taking kind of a a year off and just reading really, really good books throughout the year and be okay with that being enough if that's all we can do. Now, thankfully, I've been able to do more than just that. But, you know, we were okay with if this was just going to look like reading literature together throughout the year, we needed to be okay with that. It's a season. So yeah, we we are reading beautiful literature. We're also, my homeschooling is looking different in the fact that we are doing some workbooks this year. And I'm not a really big advocate of workbooks, but it's what works right now in the season. And so sometimes we just have to be open and flexible to what our seasons look like. Absolutely. I know I had an emergency C-section, not the same as done with cancer, but with my sixth child. So I had like a six week recovery period. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know if we hardly did any school because we at the end of the six weeks, we moved to Mexico. So it was this incredible period of getting just the bare minimum, maybe listening to books online or doing some math worksheets here and there. But still my kids, as they've gone on to college classes, there haven't been any holes in their education. You know, it's interesting, my youngest of the first five, like I have seven kids, there's a four year gap between the fifth and the sixth. And the youngest of those five is taking his first college classes this semester. You know, at home, he didn't always put a whole lot of effort into tidiness on his pages. You know, he wasn't what I would have considered one of my better students. 
else. But at the college, he's really cares about getting his assignments done on time. He rewrites them to make sure they're tidy. It's so interesting that if you have this great relationship and you keep working on work ethic, that even when we have lean times schooling where there's not a lot getting done and it's not the dream, that our kids are still picking up on so much that does end up translating into academic success somehow. Right. And you know, it looks also a lot like living life and life schooling because my kids are getting some really different lessons than they would have ever gotten before. And so, you know, I've always struggled. I've never been good at being consistently uh, giving my children chores. I'm just terrible at it. I know I have friends that are wonderful at it and I'm just terrible at doing that consistently. But in this season right now, I have no other choice but to call upon my kids to help out in the home and they are rising up to the challenge and it's beautiful and they are, you know, cheerfully helping me when I need help because, you know, at the beginning of this and and come next week as well as I go into surgery, I wasn't able to lift things. You know, they're having to lift all the laundry and do the laundry and fold the laundry and put it away and do the dishes and help with meals and clean the yards and and the bathroom and it's just not something I've ever been good at before, but it's something that they are rising up to now and it's so beautiful to see and I'm so thankful that they're learning these things and you know just not only you know homekeeping but connectedness with one another and empathy towards you know life and and cherishing life and and understanding that you know we don't know none of us know when our time is to come and so for kids it's a hard concept to swallow but it's so beautiful watching them appreciate the time together that we have. So many of us went through something as children that seemed hard. And so we want to protect our kids from all hardship. And yet really, sometimes it's the hardship or the the surviving a trial as a family that makes us such a tight family or that creates this great character in a child that enables them later on to do something really world impacting. Mm. You know, I've been reading a Richard Rohr book this season, and he talks a lot about how, you know, these things that we go through as children form our character and make us able to do something greater later on. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful encouragement because there's wonderful things coming out of this experience. There really are. Um, My marriage has experienced deep healing in our marriage where we needed it. And just this family connectedness that we're having now is beautiful. But there are some very hard times of sincere tears and fear from my children. And that's hard to see. You know, my little six-year-old coming to me in the middle of the night crying because he had a nightmare that I disappeared and he couldn't find me anywhere. You know, just loving on him and cuddling him and trying to comfort him, but at the same time, um, letting him walk through those feelings. And you're right, we just never know how those feelings shape their character in the future, but it's hard and beautiful at the same time. Have you found any books that really encouraged you? Because, you know, I know that other people's stories aren't sometimes, you know, because we've known you and followed you in Instagram, your story is more public. But I know there are other families in the community who are dealing with, you know, a child with cancer or a husband with cancer or, or other issues or, you know, just yeah. all the people who've lost their lives recently in some of these fires right. and shootings. Yeah. So what are some of the books and stories that have encouraged you during this, this more difficult time in your life? I hate to say that I haven't... F- 
uh, stumbled upon, you know, in terms of walking through it in that, in that way, I haven't read any books. Um, I've read healing protocol books about how I'm dealing with my healing and natural remedies and things like that. But as far as stories, I'm really finding those stories through Instagram, through sharing my journey and having people direct message me about their journey and just, you know, searching online and connecting with people through social media, which is nice because then you get to connect with them in a more personal manner rather than just reading their words through a book. You had a good community before, but I'm sure this is really deepening a lot of friendships that already were there and then creating so many new ones. And I think every personality is different, but my personality style, I don't like to accept help from people. It's really hard for me. And so what has happened though is when I've been in a crisis and couldn't refuse it, that's when I really found out who my friends were. And that's when the friendships really deepened is when I actually had to be on the receiving end and let people in on the real deal. So really for you, going through this and having this opportunity to connect with so many people has developed a whole new level of community because there is a need or there is a shared story and really a need for each other in a way that wasn't there before. Absolutely. I've experienced that both online and both just physically in my home and in my in my community that's that's around me in, in my neighborhood. But being open to receiving from community is one of the biggest things that I have learned through this. I've always kind of been that person that wants to give when it's time to give, but when it's time to receive, I'm hesitant. I think so many of us mamas are like, no, 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 I've got it. I'm fine. You know, no, please, you know, I'm good. When really we need to be okay with saying, yes, I'd I'd love the help, no matter what that help looks like. And it's been so beautiful to see so many people showering their love and their gifts upon us. And I don't mean physical gifts, which we've received tons of those as well. And we are so thankful for those. But gifts that each person has within them, you know, each of us is gifted with something. And um, people are using their gifts to bless others. And it is such a beautiful thing to witness and to be on the receiving end from. I've just been so thankful. People on Instagram pouring out themselves to us, sending us things, praying for us all over the world. It's just been such a beautiful blessing to our family, my boys and my extended family to see the community rallying behind our family. And we're just so thankful. Yeah, it's going to be such a great, you know, story for your kids down the road. I mean, I've talked to so many people who have survived cancer. And then that whole experience becomes this amazing story of providence and of community and of, of really special and deep friendships. And I'm glad we get to be a part of that here in the Wild and Free community. Adventure has always been one of the driving forces of our homeschooling culture. For years, every day was a new adventure, whether it was taking off on a spontaneous road trip, spending the day in the woods with our books, or driving to the ocean before breakfast, just to be the first ones to discover new wonders of the sea that washed ashore in the night. But this past year, we didn't invest in this beautiful expression of our lives quite as much. I'd like to blame the precocious toddler for making adventures more difficult. But the truth is, I wasn't nourishing the atmosphere of our homeschooling as intentionally as I had in the past. Just as gardeners must nourish the soil if they want healthy plants, we must nourish anything we want to see grow. We nourish our children with good food, time outdoors, living books, fulfilling projects, 
projects and rich experiences. And we nourish the soil with our own mama hearts. If we are to be a fountain of resources for our children, we need to nourish our own bodies and souls too. So whether it's taking a walk in the morning alone, getting out in nature with our kids, reading more books aloud, doing fun science experiments, or simply putting it all away to spend time together, let this be a gentle reminder to nourish what needs attention in your life. We may not be able to buy that new curriculum, take off on a cross-country road trip, or have the best gadgets at our fingertips, but we can do the thing that matters most on this journey. We can nourish the environment and relationships within our homes today. This month, our Nourish Bundle is all about nourishing the hearts and minds of our children through our own mama hearts, plus meaningful activities and studies. This bundle features a simple and beautiful finger knitting tutorial, inspiration for doing artist studies, gardening with kids, nature journaling trip to the farmer's market, a secret garden book club, natural learning in the early years, passion-led learning for the teen years, and so much more. Just a reminder, if you subscribe to our monthly bundles this month, you'll not only get this month's content bundle Nourish, but you'll also get last month's bundle Embers, plus all of the conference audio from our Nashville conference. Join our online community and dive into some amazing resources today at bewildandfree.org slash bundles. One of your loves is cooking dinner for your family. Yes. How has dealing with an illness affected that? Oh my goodness. I haven't cooked dinner for my family hardly at all. And it's been very difficult. And I really miss my rhythm of being in the kitchen and having my time with my music and my glass of wine and enjoying the process of cooking food for my family. So that's been really hard. But I have to say, I've never been a really good cook until we moved to Los Angeles, in which has been about six years I've been, you know, honing my cooking skills. But my husband is actually the skilled chef. And he is an incredible, incredible chef. And he taught me all I know in cooking. And so um, he has been doing just a phenomenal job of keeping everything together and keeping ourselves fed, keeping nutrition in mind and making healthy whole food choices. And so I'm just so thankful for that. And also, um, you know, again, I talked about our children rising up to the challenge and, and they've had to do some cooking of their own cooking themselves breakfast in the morning or or what have you. But yeah, it's been hard to let go of that. You know, as a mom, we like to have our hand in things. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, in the wild and free community, there's a lot of women who are going through even just pregnancy can feel like an illness sometimes when you're bedridden with morning sickness and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So there are these seasons in our lives when we have to just step back and let other people take over things and it can be so painful. Yeah. Sometimes. Again, I think it's just a beautiful lesson in receiving from community because, you know, our church poured out love for us and the form of meals. You know, they, they set up a meal train for us and they delivered meals several times a week for us. And, um, you know, we got a lot of gift cards in the mail from people wanting to support our family. And it, and it was such a gift to just be on the receiving end from community. And again, you said that with pregnancy too, you can feel so nauseous and you can feel so weak. You know, chemotherapy makes you nauseous and makes you weak. And um, it's hard to get out of bed sometimes. And so I've I missed a lot of time around the dinner table with my family. 
And that's time that I hold dear and that I cherish. And so, yeah, it's been hard to miss not only the cooking, but also the partaking in being at the table together. It's more than just the cooking that I've been missing out on. So tell me a little bit too about how communities helping with your kids. Because I know as homeschool moms, often we're such Mm do-it-ourselfers and we don't necessarily even like to let other people take over with our kids. You know, it's a hard thing for us to let someone else homeschool our kids for a day or drop them off or let someone else pick up our kids. So how has your community stepped in to help even with mothering your children on a day that you're really feeling awful? Yeah, I think I am in a different season because my oldest is old enough where he can kind of babysit the littles and help me out with things. And so I have had tremendous offers from our community for taking our kids to, you know, our nature study group is called the Wolf Pack. And so I've had our our Wolf Cat Pack crew offer to take kids to nature study day. But when I've asked them, they just kind of want to stay home with their mama. And I've had, you know, a lot of other friends from church and friends from our other homeschool group, and of course, extended family as well, offering to take care of the kids. And we have needed it in terms of like me going to chemotherapy and going to doctor's appointments. We've, We've needed people to come in and take care of the boys for longer periods of time. But in terms of, you know, just homeschool community coming in and rallying. They have, but my kids have preferred or chosen to to just stay at home and to kind of do it themselves. It's funny, my kids are the same way. I mean, really, at this point, kind of prefer to watch themselves. Yeah. And I I don't know, I think that you just get used to each other and your own way of doing things. Yeah, I'm really thankful for the season that this happened because my oldest is old enough now where he can babysit. And so it's been, um, it's been really helpful. So then did you kind of plan out schoolwork ahead of time? Or did you just plan out a week? Because you're you're so good at planning these beautiful and creative block studies. But like you said, you had to use some workbooks in this season that, yeah. that maybe wouldn't have been your ideal. So did you just say, here, kids, here's your work for the season? Or was it something that you just did as you went along? We're taking it day by day. Right. <laughs> so I did plan, um, you know, we follow the Charlotte Mason Ambleside Online schedule for nature study. And so for this term, we're studying birds. And so I did create, you know, a a bird main lesson plan for us to follow. And we have, I haven't followed it to its entirety, but you know, we're we're flexible with how we implement it, which we always are anyways. And so we just kind of pick and choose what we want to use for the day and using utilizing those workbooks has has been really helpful this season. But they do approach me for schoolwork daily. And it kind of depends upon how I feel how much I can give to their lessons each day and um, how much I know that they can do on their own. And so kind of their daily lessons change. It has to depending on how you're feeling. Absolutely. Right. But it's a good lesson for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me, tell me about what is one thing that you're especially looking forward to for when you're all better? I'm looking forward to so many things that I'm looking forward to being just normal home keeping rhythms. Like you mentioned earlier, our, our dinner rhythm is very sacred to me. And so cooking dinner again and being around the table consistently, I'm so looking forward to that. And I'm so looking forward to being back uh, at nature study with our tribe of, you know, kids, kid friends and mama friends. What a special group you guys have. I love watching you. Thanks. We feel so blessed. Thanks so much, Jen, for being with us today. 
Friends, I don't want to miss the opportunity to remind you that this week is the final week to pre-order your copy of Nature Journal, a limited reprint of Kristen Rogers' beloved book. This book is the consummate guide to nature journaling with your own children. You'll not only learn how to choose your supplies, draw specific items from nature, and make it a valuable part of your homeschool experience, but you'll also find a treasure trove of illustrations and photos from Kristen's own journal. It's as much a collector's item as a practical guide. These books will ship in December just in time for Christmas, but get your order in by November 23rd. Visit bewildandfree.org slash nature journal. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast. Thank you.